We're live, Andy. Okay, we are live. Yeah, it's been a bit since we've done one of these. Uh, got the kind of big cast of characters today uh, joining Andrew. Um, obviously, the backstory you guys all know is Andrew joined a few months ago, has been taking over office hours and really running with that. Um, and I've tried to just like not meddle too much. And I think with, with some of the changes that we've had, uh, the meddling is going to be hopefully worth it. Um, but yeah, today, I don't know if we want to classify this as like office hours or behind the Sims or what. Um, but really like the goal is just to talk a bit about some of these new features we've put out there, where we think they fit in to a typical DFS process, who should be using them, who shouldn't and just answer any questions that come up along the way. Um, and I mean, the short of it is, Matt, jump in if I'm missing anything. But so there's been a good number of work done that is available to every SaberSim subscriber. Uh, big one that I think is like sneaky under the radar is uh, MinUniques being in the build step rather than pre-build and we'll talk a lot about why that is so important um but we've also made improvements to the build speed and have been balancing that with reliability and there is a lot more we want to do to continue increasing that speed um and then obviously a few months ago we did the big update to rules and that's kind of like the across the board everyone's got access to that but over the weekend, we did a bit of a silent launch, silent-ish launch of SaberSim Pro. Um, I think Jordan put up a video in the app for anyone to, to check out, um, but we didn't like, post any big messages or anything about that. It was sort of testing the waters and, frankly, figuring out how do we want to talk about this. And so rather than delaying it, we're just going to kind of figure that out right now. But the big things on the Pro SaberSim Pro are the ability to build 5,000 lineups. Um, it is also the ability to aggregate projection sources. So you can upload your own projections, projections from another site, whatever, and then have an average, a weighted average for the actual projections that go into your lineups. You can create your own data that gets uploaded. You can then create rules around that. Um, and similarly, you can also create your own lineup ranking metrics. Um, we'll jump into why we did some of these things and, and all of that, but, uh, did I miss anything, Matt? Um, you mentioned 5,000 lineups, right? Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you got everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so what what I mentioned of like MinUniques being very a very powerful change. Uh, the way it works in any other optimizer, and the way it worked in SaberSim is when you're building your lineups, you would say, "I require each lineup to have at least X number of unique players." Obviously, it needs to have at least one unique. Um, but people would change the setting so that they could have a more diverse set of lineups. Um, but ultimately, that was, I think, the wrong order of operations because 
the diversification benefits are significant and real, but that shouldn't change how you are building lineups themselves. It's like in a perfect world, you would build as many good, fundamentally strong lineups, whatever that means to you, whether it's with stacks or it's letting us kind of decide what that is, but it's building as many just purely strong lineups. And then afterwards saying of these lineups, find me the ones that the, the set that has as much uniqueness as possible. That way you get the benefit of not watering down the inputs while still having those diversification benefits. Um, and it's like doing it the other way almost doesn't really even work that well. Um, because you meaning like if you set that to like three or four, you're going to get some really shitty lineups. Um, and any higher than that, like th they're just going to be clearly unplayable. Like not even saying minus EV, like obviously minus EV, but like just this is almost lighting your money on fire. And it's because like you're just forcing the process to work in a way that it's not intended to. Um, and with this, I don't know about you guys, but like I've been able to very consistently get enough lineups when I'm building 5,000 that I can have four min uniques and they're all what I would consider like high quality lineups. Um, but Matt, I, I will want to kick it over to you because this is something that obviously we talked about a lot, but I think like you're the other person who's not that no one else thinks this is important, but like you're, you're with me on that. And so I'm curious from your perspective, like what makes this so important? So I've kind of getting off the base, yeah. like, I guess in more of the detail, like why does this matter? Right. Well, we've kind of talked, uh, I don't remember if it was other behind the Sims or office hours or what, but you know, we've talked about a diversifier type feature, um, a while for, for a long time, I think we've kind of been like discussing something like that and, you know, discussing like, how do we, we have, there's lots of different ways to diversify your lineups. Um, what we had in the past was like either the min uniques in the build or kind of just setting min max exposures either before or after the build. But um, I think the, I didn't realize, I thought about min uniques after the build before, but I didn't realize how well it would work. Um, because really the, the point of the min uniques is for your lineups to be as uncorrelated with each other as possible. And, um, you know, you want your lineups within the lineup to be correlated, but you want them the, the players within them, a, like a single lineup yeah. should be made up of players that are correlated. But I guess right. what does the, what value comes but, from having uncorrelated lineups? Uh, it's just kind of a, a risk. Um, you have less chance of sort of losing it all on a given night. Um, I think, you know, we've talked a lot uh, about the profit plan and about why um, diversifying and why, why having a lower risk uh, portfolio is important because DFS, especially when you're playing GPPs, is all about sort of like surviving as long as you can until you hit big. And uh, the more diversified your lineups are or the, the less correlated your lineups are uh, to each other, the less likely that they're all going to do badly on the same night. And uh, and that's really important because, you know, you can it's worth it to sacrifice EV to sacrifice some some of your 
ROI in order to sustain your bankroll for longer and in order to like realize some of that ROI more quickly. Um, if you're only going to win once a year, then you have to like play extremely low amounts of your bankroll every night in order to like be able to survive until you hit that win. But if you can win once a month, uh, even if it's like less overall, um, then you know you can play a higher percentage of your bankroll and sort of like grow that bankroll more quickly. Um, so that's sort of like yeah, on I a theoretical the level why it's important. Right. But uh, practically, it's just a way to to get um, a better mix of lineups from your lineup pool. And you know what the points you were making about why min uniques don't make sense, sort of um, pre-build is really you know it's strongly tied to our unique process of creating a lineup pool. And um, you know if you're only building exactly 150 lineups, it's not really that different, but we're building a pool and which is a really valuable approach because of the way that we utilize Sims and the flexibility that that gives you um, in that post build process with being able to, you know, adjust, sort, change the way you sort more on that later, but uh, you know, change the way you sort, change the way you, um, your exposure exposures are set. Uh, and so because of the fact that we're building this pool, um, it makes sense to do that diversify step uh, after the fact and sort of let the sim, you know, let the builder like use the sims to build a really strong pool and then, you know, use this being unique feature to diversify after the, the, the pool is built. So, I mean, I'm using it every single slate, essentially every sport, every slate other than like showdowns. Um, I ever since we released this, I'm using it personally for like everything um, because I think it's it's just immediately so valuable. And Matt, to, to jump in there, um, I think one thing that I've found very useful with the Min Uniques is that kind of, you get kind of organic exposure adjustments to your players, whereas before, you know, in order to like diversify a pool, and I'm just going to pull this up here to kind of demo it is that, you know, like, okay, you know, I might think that this build is too risky right off of the bat. So the first thing I'm going to do is kind of come in here and make some exposure adjustments to like the, the players who I'm most exposed to, who I have the most leverage on and what the min uniques allows you to do is, is in a way make exposure adjustments, but still let the Sims tell you who the best plays are. So this is a, a build that I just ran. And it, as I, as I, oops, 12 too many, sorry, I meant to do two. So <laughs> as I increase min unique players and keep increasing this, my Bobby Portis exposure is, is still maintaining. And this is basically Saberson telling me like, Hey, no matter what you do, like this player is in such a good spot and with without that feature i probably would have lowered him first because he's kind of at the top highest leverage saber sims telling me don't don't get rid of this player get as much of him as you can and move all these other pieces around and it's adjusting the exposure to so many players around this player that like i wouldn't be able to do that without this feature so i, and think, I, th that, I think one of mm -hmm. the big things around that is that depends still on your risk tolerance because i think what you're saying is exactly right is that we're saying 
yeah, we are trying to diversify as much as we can, but we're just not really getting away from Bobby Portis. And so in like a theoretical, I don't care about variance approach, you can say, okay, like, that's fine. I'll just leave these alone. Um, but you still could go in and say, that's like, I don't want to have 94% of my lineups depending on one player. In basketball, you should have higher thresholds for that just because it's a lower variance sport. Um, but I get if, if, especially if you're doing like 150 lineups or more, uh, still want to have some kind of cap there and you can put that in. But the, the bigger part is that I think what a lot of us need to do and what we get caught up in ourselves all the time is just taking a step back and saying, why am I ultimately doing this? Like, sure. I'm changing exposures. So I don't have too much of one player, but like, why, why is that bad? What am I trying to accomplish? And with traditional optimizers, you've got, randomness and all sorts of rules. I mean, we have the capability to create whatever rule you could want, but you don't need to create dozens and dozens, let alone hundreds of them. But it's like you use the rules to set the guidelines for like, hey, here's what a good stack looks like. And here are the players that should and shouldn't be combined. You use randomness to try to take advantage of the fact that these players aren't going to get their mean score every single time. And then you put in the uniques to try to build a wider set, a more diverse set of lineups. But like none of those methods come close, like actually achieving what they really are meant to. It's like, okay, you're not going to be able to tell an, an optimizer every single correlation pair. And then what about when there's three players and all these other things, like you're not going to be able to set rules to that. You can create ones that get like close and I think that's where a lot of people like have created rules that do add value. And that's one of the reasons why we offer it is our correlation data is not always going to be perfect. So this gives you the tools to dial it in. Um, randomness is just bad. Uh, but when there's no other way, when you don't have simulations to sample, that's all you've got. Um, and min uniques is what we're focused on now, but it all sort of fits together. And like when it comes to adjusting those exposures, so many people have been trained that you need to upload minimax exposures for practically every player on the slate. And with traditional optimizers, you may have needed to do that because otherwise like you're just not going to end up in a good spot because they are not factoring in all the things that matter when it comes to winning in DFS. Um, but with us, like that's just not the case. And so, it's not saying you shouldn't do any exposure, direct exposure management, but I would always say start with the min uniques, see yep. where that gets you. And then if you still want to dial it in, like go for it. But like you probably, I can't think of a real reason you would want to be adjusting like dozens of players. Um, and when I say yeah. real reason, like I'm basically saying a reason that logically actually adds value. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is, um, there's a question that, that we, Andrew just posted uh, from Discord, you know, when should we adjust our exposures because the min uniques are changing them. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that I would strongly recommend adjusting after you change your min uniques. Um, so, you know, if you want a more diversified pool, like change your min uniques first, 
uh, and then, or sorry, not a more diversified, a more diversified set of lineups from your pool. Just mean you first, and then look at your exposures and see what else you want to do. And yeah, I agree with Andy that it is, you know, at that point you can still set min max exposures on players. Uh, but I would consider that much more of just sort of a tinker dialing yeah. in type thing. Um, you're polishing, you know, you're, you're refining it, right. you're, not, you're dialing it yeah. in, you're not yeah. having to program it for every single scenario. Yeah. And so if you set, you know, four min uniques and you have 90% Fortis and you want to lower him, I would, I think it's totally fine to lower him, but I would also think about why, you know, you want yeah. to do so. And if you, if it's more that you disagree with the, the projection that Saber Sim has for him, you, you disagree with some of those assumptions, um, you know, you might want to actually lower his projection and then run a new build and see where he comes in at that point um not saying that you shouldn't just set a max exposure but like there is kind of this difference between your risk tolerance and then just you just don't agree with this play and that this, this play this is as strong a, as it is so this was a big step in the direction we've already been going um but towards towards the goal of the subscriber is always going to be in charge we were not trying to build a money printing machine where you click a button and the winners just magically come up. Um, we want to improve the defaults that come out as much as we can. But like that's our intention isn't to just do everything for you. But while you may be in charge, that's not to say we can't offer some advice along the way. And that's where putting min uniques here makes that shift. Because before, if it's an arbitrary well, I, I don't really have a way to diversify other than doing this. So I'm just going to make a bunch of these changes. You don't, again, you don't have another option. But with this, we can say, hey, like we are finding a set of 150 unique lineups, uh, 150 lineups with at least four unique players in them. And even with that, we are still getting this much of this player. That's not to say we're 100% right, but you should definitely trust this more trust is probably the wrong word it's more value put a stronger weight on this opinion because in a traditional optimizer it's not giving you an opinion it's not saying here's what the data is telling me makes sense it's saying here is what is here is the highest combination of mean projected points that satisfy all of the rules you've put in and so like no you you don't there's no, it's not as though we have like some magic AI in this, but there's no like intelligence in that process. So you shouldn't trust it at all. But that's not the case here. And this to me is like a huge step uh, in that direction where it's like, that was just one spot that I think you and I, Matt, especially always felt like was off. Um, and it was just trying to take a step back to really rethink that, that made, uh, a big impact. And so I'm going to jump in, answer some of the questions, and we can talk more about the Saber. I did have a features. question before we jumped over yeah. to some of these questions, just kind of like a workflow process thing. I mean, we talk about these things every day on office hours and, and Matt specifically, I, I want to ask uh, you this because you were just talking about it. So, so what I like to recommend to people is, you know, make like your exposure adjustments first and kind of see how far down in your pool you have to go to get your opinions into the build and then kind of take a step back and say like, okay, are I don't my, think I would do that. 
well 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 the the thought is like okay do i have to go to you know line up four thousand to to get ten percent of this player that i'm looking for so i i get the i think honestly what you're describing is a good fit for how a lot of people think about dfs and think about building their lineups but i feel like a lot of that underlying logic is misplaced because it's assuming that your target of 10% is rational and justified when for most people it's going to be much closer to arbitrary where they might've had some experience in this and like, yeah, over time they've developed this heuristic of like roughly what they want. And they've got their gut. That's like, ah, that seems like a lot of this guy or not enough of this one. And it's not that you should ignore all of that, but I think to be the yardstick you're measuring against, there should be a higher burden of like, how sure are you about this? Or like, is this arbitrary or not? And so I guess what I would say is, Matt, maybe you think this is like way off, but in my mind, it would be setting min uniques about as high, basically as high as you can to get enough lineups to fill your entries. It is worthwhile. This was a question that came up. Um, at what point from, I can't add anything, but uh, from, could be Travis, at what point does Min Uniques reach the point of diminishing returns? And there was another one earlier about, uh, from John Jones, should the amount of Min Uniques used be predicated on the size of your pool? I think it's related. It's like, mm-hmm. to me, you should have some idea of what makes a lineup viable Mm -hmm. it can purely be saber score you can say you trust us to when you get the handful of inputs you think matter most you trust us to build that pool of viable lineups and if it's in the pool you think is viable and i don't think that's Mm -hmm. unreasonable but there are ways i think that you can add value by being a bit more uh precise and i think it's figuring out what that metric is of at this point even if it is somewhat arbitrary, just having some spot where it's like, if it's below this, it could even be projected score. You don't want to go too far with that because we know that there's way more to it than that, but it's finding mm. some litmus test you can say, if it's below this, I should be skeptical. And then it's trying to figure out how do I, how high can I put min uniques while making sure my set of lineups all meet that threshold. And then yeah. from there, you, you can like do some dialing into the exposures if needed. But I think that's going to be a much more fundamentally sound process than starting yeah. with the what are assumptions and going from there. Yeah, so uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think that there, where you set that threshold definitely, you know, it is sort of dependent on the person. It depends on what your process is like and how much you trust the builder in a in a you know way like for me um as the person that built the builder um and like knows the sims and I, like i i probably trust sabers in you know more than most people but like i'm someone who objectively like in some cases like almost too much where it's just like maybe yeah yeah it's just, because on some level it's like you're trusting yourself um Right. Yeah. This is like my process is the builder, you know? So, right. um, I generally assume 
that every lineup in my lineup pool is viable. Um, I'm, I know that's not always the case. I'm sure that like, no matter what, there's always going to be some lineups that are like minus, objectively minus EV. Um, I might not be able to know exactly what they are, but, but you um, know they exist. I know they exist, but for the most part, um, I want to um, set up, you know, if, if it's not this way by default, then I want to set up rules or, or uh, filters or whatever to make sure that all of that I feel like all of my lineups are, or at least 95% or a high percentage of my lineups are viable um, in my pool. And with that in mind, if I think that all of my lineups are plus EV, then I don't really care how far down in my pool I go. I just want to diversify within that pool as much as possible. Now, again, not, not everybody is gonna have that approach. You might want to go with a more um, like uh, approach where you, you know that you're gonna be building some bad lineups or some minus EV lineups in your pool and you want to rely on your process post build to filter those lineups out and just sort them in a way that like you only get the good ones. Um, but for me personally, I prefer that my pool like is all good lineups and I can just diversify within it. So for, so I would basically set min uniques as high as it can go um, so that I still have enough lineups to fill my entries. Um, right, because so, you're, so you're basically assuming that the pool is going to be built of, because you're not putting in so many mm -hmm. other restrictions, you're saying right. that the pool is viable so if they're in there i'm okay with it right um and, and one more thing andrew before i'll let you ask your next question but one more thing is that even if my very last say i'm building 150 lineups even if my last one is like five thousand in the pool it's my very last lineup in the pool still the that the way that min uniques work is that you're going to have a much higher proportion of lineups in the top of your pool than in the bottom so it's sort of like it'll be like one and then three and then seven and then 12 like you're going to have a lot more at the top because of the way that it's sorted so that sorting still does matter um so i, I don't think you should like ignore the sorting and just assume like oh i just want like random if, if you wanted random you could just use unique random and choose the whole pool and just randomize which ones you're selecting but um the idea is that the diversification aspect kind of matters more to me than the relative rank of of the lineups within the pool. Um, but again, that's just my own process. So, so just to kind of go off that, cause I mean, you know, um, it's, it's like kind of, kind of hard to give like uh, specific advice to, to every single person that kind of comes through and ask questions. Something Jordan and I have said multiple times to people is that, you know, try and get as many men uniques as you can while staying somewhere in the top 50% of your pool depending on you know the amount of lineups that you're building and i just wanted to hear like your thoughts on that maybe we should kind of roll that back and and go with something a little different there which it sounds like you're kind of leaning towards yeah i mean yeah, I, I mean to say that advice is probably not was well, is not hurting anybody um mm -hmm. as far as ev goes it is to the extent that it's hurting uh diversification, which hurts like the stability of results and I guess like the sharp ratio of your returns. Um, but it's not bad because yeah, like the top 50% are going to be better than the entire pool on average. Um, but it's 
to me, if, I think and there was a couple of questions in, in chat that made me think of this too, where if you, um, you want to just call out some names, like yeah, so it's basically saying, yeah, one that you posted. So when should we adjust our exposures? Because when you change the index, adjust your exposures. And to what, what you're suggesting too, it's like you don't need to create rules of thumb for every single thing. Like you don't need to use everything in here. Um, and that's really where traditional optimizers have done a huge disservice is you did, you, you, you had to program every little thing in because it was not helping you at all. It was a glorified Excel spreadsheet and you're the one programming in all the formulas. And because of that, people feel like, oh, I got to do this because if I don't, like it's going to be shit. And that's just not the case. And so I always think it's important to take a step back and say, what am I trying to do with this? And if you can't rationalize it, and not rationalize is too loose a word. Like if you can't justify it, don't do it. Um, and so I think it's like, when should we adjust exposures? If, if you're, if you don't have a strong opinion on that, don't try to create one. Like don't force yourself to make rules where they might not be needed. And it's not that it's impossible to add value through that, but it's more art than science. And it's like, if I think, uh, actually, uh, shady advice also posted a question. I think we're all excited. Um, I think we're all excited about the ability to improve our processes with the new pro tools. What do you think is the most likely minus EV mistake to make? This comes into play more with Sabersim Pro, but I think is the most minus EV thing winning players do no matter what tool they're using, but especially in Sabersim. Um, it's feeling like they have to have rules and change everything without really being able to articulate why they're doing it. Um, and then in part of that, if you can't even say, why are you doing this? Don't even think about doing it with Saberson because we are not saying we're going to do everything for you perfectly, but we are able to process way more data than you can in this nuance because these Sims run for each game. So they're not just purely on historical data and everything else is more nuanced. We can just process that data better. We don't have as uh, it's not that there aren't any biases in it, but it's not like a kind of heuristic bias can come up. Um, so it's like, let us do that, especially if you don't know why you would do it. And, and then and if you I can think... articulate why you would do it, it's saying, okay, and does this do it better than Sabersim is? Is this accounted for? How sure, sure how confident can i be in this and all of that and so i think we'll talk a bit more about the other uh Saberson pro features but just exposures are honestly the simplest example of just where people feel like they need to make a ton of changes and mm -hmm. it's not that you can't but it's that if you're searching for reasons to do it just like don't do it mm -hmm. i was i was just gonna say you know talking about um but just building on this discussion, I think it's a great segue into kind of talking about custom lineup metrics, just because it really just kind of goes hand in hand with that. You know, if you know what you're doing and you know why, then custom lineup metrics are something great for you to use. But if you are unsure, you know, stick with Saber score, 
uh, you know, use the new percentiles that we released for all plans, not just pro. So kind of wanted to uh, get the conversation going about uh, custom metrics and uh, was hoping Matt could speak a little bit on yeah, that. Yeah, this is where I said, like, I'm going to hope the meddling is worth it. But like, regardless, when I'm on the stream, I will meddle and just like, yeah, I'll touch on some of those things. But uh, what you said actually just made me think of different ways that this all ties together. And it's like the defaults that we give you in SaberSim from the sliders to literally the ranking method defaulting to Saber score. Those are not random. We did not just like throw against the wall and see what's stuck. And then like, oh, yeah, this is what people are going to get. No, like they're heavily back tested. It's not saying that they're perfect, but it is a very strong starting point. And so with that understanding in mind to deviate from it again it's not saying there's no value in deviating but you really have to be confident in what you're doing because you're basically saying like no i don't know why i'm making this change but i'm going to do it better than you already were when you've spent however much time and in research and everything else building setting it all and so with saber score is a great example of just like if you're searching for reasons to change it I wouldn't. And I, I also realize, like when I'm going on my, my rants like this, that I'm taking like a theoretical position that I'm arguing from that perspective. And I'm not trying to say there's no reason to ever do this. And like, don't even think about it because a lot of the questions that people are asking are them trying to create their own process for, okay, like you're saying there is value. I could add there. What, like how, and they want to start exploring that. And I think it's just making sure we shift the conversation to that difference that's important. So it's saying, okay, what is Saber Score, Matt? Like briefly, like in your opinion, sorting by Saber Score, what is that trying to do? Yeah. So, uh, well, from a high level theoretical perspective, Saber Score is, is ranking lineups based on their, uh, expected value really um that's that's the goal of it is to um is to rank uh lineups based on their upside um their and their their ownership essentially their upside in tournaments is like um the upside in tournaments which incorporates correlation uh like sim upside and uh and ownership um and that's based on the um slider settings that are um inputted into Let's the build keep it high which level is, okay um, and so i because i think this is like a really good point to to focus on because it's where i will say like you might trust it a bit too much and it's just because like the goal is absolutely like we want this to be the best single ranking metric you can ever have and sorting by this does give you the highest ev lineup like why wouldn't we want to do that but it's impossible to achieve that. And so even though we're like asymptotically approaching that, we're not going to get there. Mm -hmm. And it's saying, okay, so this, I am definitely going to be simplifying this a little bit too much for, for your comfort map, but I think it's going to be at least directionally correct. Saber score is trying to be that single metric that you use. So in doing that, it has to account for a lot of different things. And 
that means that in some situations, one variable may be way more important than another's and you want to emphasize that. So like this is that balanced view of a lineup strength. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying, hey, I am playing a super top heavy contest, I get that this is helpful, but I think this is going to, for these contests, maybe for like even satellites, it's not focusing enough on those uh, top of range of outcomes uh, scenarios. So I'm going to change it to percentile sorting and sort by 99th percentile. Um, because what I'm saying, and this goes back to what I was talking about, like make sure you can not just justify you taking that action. Well, make sure you can justify it. And to justify it, you need to say why your approach is better. And it doesn't need to be complicated logic. It's like, look, like Saberson is more balanced for these contests. It's, it's worth it to really focus on this component more than the others. So I'm going to sort by that. Like that's sound logic. Um, it might not be correct in every scenario. It's not going to be but like it is justifiable. Um, mm -hmm. And it's for like cash games. People traditionally sort by projected score. I honestly don't know if there's like a great reason to now that we have lineup percentiles to ever sort by projected score. Um, because like, if you think about what is this trying to do, it's trying to give you the lineups that on average have the best outcome. However, there's a big difference between a mean average and a median and means are going to be scores that don't necessarily and almost exclusively were never actually achieved. They were all just around that. Whereas a median is going to be based on actual outcomes. And so if you say a, put the percentile of 50, that to me is just like objectively a better ranking. If you care about that cash type strategy, this is a better version of projected score. And it, almost definitely is going to be better than saver score in these cases. And I think we, we, Matt and I have talked about like for that cash example, specifically changing the default rankings to like better reflect that. But mm -hmm. that's sort of the nuance that, that goes into it where we want to give people the tools they need to make those informed adjustments and make sure that like, we are not saying we know everything because we absolutely don't. But like we're getting you pretty far along the way and we want to give you the tools you need to get exactly where you're trying to, to go. We're going to give you advice along the way. Say, yeah, is this really where you want to go? And, and all of that. And I think for newer players, it's taking my probably frustrating and annoying advice, like don't mess with this, to heart in the short term of like, for tonight, if you don't know what to do there, just don't mess with it. But we're going to have more content coming out about research and about developing your own process and, and everything else. It's like, play around with it. See what other things you could do. See what other players are doing in the contest. Think about it. Have some discussions in the Discord about some of these concepts. And then over time, you're going to develop a better informed opinions. So that when I say like, you want to be able to justify the changes you're making, you'll be able to. And that's, mm -hmm. I, th I think the big thing is there's not 
these magic rules, we can just say, do this every time. Um, if it was that simple, we would have built it in already. And frankly, we've built in a lot of that stuff. And so what is left is, is really making the lineups your own. Um, and those are the ways I would recommend doing it, but it's just not, uh, jumping in and, uh, dialing it all, all in on your own. One thing that I recommend to a lot of people on, um, office hours when, when question comes in is, you know, kind of divvy up your contest, uh, portfolio and like maybe try something with the dime times and then maybe like, like you could do like an 85th percentile in like your dime times and, and do like a 95th in your quarter jukebox. And if you have those ideas and you want to trial and error them to put them in a subset of your contest portfolio and see how they do over a couple week sample and see if you can kind of spot the difference between those contests and how your con how your lineups in your other contests look uh you guys have any feedback kind of on that yeah i, I think the hard part is that like it's going to be so in the this is probably what you're going to say matt but it's like it's very very difficult to back test by eye of being like, ah, like, let me do this for a little bit and see what the difference is because there's so much noise in that. And so it's not that in like, I think as ideas go like, yeah, that makes sense. It's just in practice, the variance is so high and there's so many other variables involved that I think it's really hard to get accurate insights from that. And I have some other ideas, but I want to make sure I don't, yeah monopolize this <laughs> no I, I think that there's a lot um my worry is just you know small sample size um overreacting to even with a few weeks right. i think because of especially because of how gpps work like you know you might only win the dime time once in a season well, i guess i don't know how big it is but you know like for these big contests you're not going to win very often and so you need a really really big sample size for those like for that hypothesis testing to really be uh, accurate or, or actionable. Because um, your eye in GPPs comes from having those. Yeah, absolutely. Like, literally outcomes. winning, but like, yeah, like 0.1 or 0.01% yeah. outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so those just obviously don't happen frequently. And, yeah, and I, I would see everything else is almost noise of the day to day, like week to week variance. And yep. it's important to like follow the principles you have to minimize that variance, but really you're trying to stay the course and make it so that you're surviving and potentially doing like, you can still win without literally winning the contest um, depending on the contest, but it's getting through that while preserving your bankroll so that you can be in there when you have that bigger score. Um, and so just by its nature, that's really hard to, you need a huge sample to do. Yeah. And I think and, with tradition, yeah, go for it, Matt. And just like in terms of, if you want to test different processes, you know, different ways of sorting, um, I think Andy is really correct with like, you need a, I think even with that testing, you need a reason. Um, just like testing 85th percentile versus 95th versus like your own custom metric that's doing whatever, I think, like you should still start with like, there's a re I can justify why this might give me better lineups than Sabre score or then like your kind of 
null hypothesis, whatever, like, um, I think just like arbitrarily like testing different metrics, there's, there's millions of different possible, I mean, infinite different possibilities um, of different ranking metrics. And so you really want to narrow down, like, think of like reasons why this might be a better way of sorting. And like, yeah, again, talk about it in Discord, ask in office hours and like kind of try to narrow down like what's what's your um, justification for that stuff. Um, because there are like situations and formats and different areas where there probably is value in creating your own custom lineup metric or sorting by a percentile, um, like Andy said. And there's like a few other, you know, ways that you could go about that and, and times that I've used those to sort differently. Um, but you just really need to think about like why you're doing it. And I think it's better to take a more theoretical approach. Obviously we want to be data driven and, and, um, and not just be theoretical, but like, because of just the variance of DFS, you, I kind of, you kind of have to be a little bit theoretical and, and think of like those reasons that are separate from just your results to justify those decisions. Yeah. And, and this is, it's an answer that sucks to give because it, it, it makes it not necessarily harder, but it's conceptually like more complex than I think many of us want it to be is really what we are saying is you, it's not that you shouldn't have your own heuristics that you use very consistently, but you shouldn't have a ton. And what we think you should be doing is leveraging our unique SIM data to take advantage of the night by night nuance in the game that you would not be able to do on your own. And then to find those handful of things that might be bigger impacts that like we, you think we're getting wrong or whatever else um, in applying those there. And for coming up, it's like if someone's just starting out or even been playing for a while, that's a frustrating answer because it's like, okay, like what are those things? And it's really just the answer is, there is not one thing I can just tell you, this is what you should be doing. You need to be evaluating it slate by slate. And there are ways you can like lean that are better than others, but ultimately it comes down to that thought process about what you're trying to do and why you think this is better than what's already being done. And it's like in back testing. I mean, I think there, there are ways to like, we, have back tested the sliders um, specifically and, and like have run other types of back tests. But those watch the like five part series that we did with Eric um, to talk about how we got that. Like that is not a feasible approach for an individual <laughs> to do. I mean, it technically speaking was very complicated to build. It each back test costs like. I mean, that back test for all that work is probably like thousands of dollars. Um, and it's just like not feasible. And so I think what is hard because it's not a black or white answer, but still true is you really should be thinking about, you should be working on your thought process. And I think it's those discussions that you're having in Discord, wherever you're having them, thinking it through saying, what are we trying to do here? Why do I think this is better? That you we're not saying you're going to, there's some magic solution you're going to find, but it's the 
the scientific method, like Matt said, is like start with a hypothesis and it's a hypothesis. You are not saying this is definitely right, but start experimenting. And unfortunately, like the way you can judge that experiment, a lot of it is just like keep testing that logic because you're mm -hmm. going to get too much noise in the short term. So it's like throw those ideas out there to as many people as you can get their feedback in the more you can defend it the more you faith you should put in that and over time your results should kind of converge towards where you're going but it's just it takes a good amount of time yeah um, um do we want to like get yeah i was a little bit more go ahead knock out a couple of the questions and then get back to to what i'd said was the point of, of talking more about like the specifics in here um mm -hmm. but i just want to make sure i don't ignore things here so can someone explain the percentile? Um, yeah, so line up you want percentiles. Me to take that one? Yeah, go for it, Matt. Just uh, simply, it's if we we take all of the uh, outcomes for the lineup as a whole. So it's like in this set of simulations, the lineup scores X number of points, and this one that scores Y number of points, and that's just a full distribution of of you know thousands of different scores for the entire lineup, and the percentile is just. Um, so a 95th percentile is the the point where the the top five percent of those outcomes um is so if the 95th percentile is say 350 that means that five percent of the time the lineup will score 350 points or more in our sins uh 50th percentile means that's the median so half of the time this top lineup is going to score 284 uh points or higher so that's a simple way of just, it's the, uh, before when we had the percentile on this page, it was referring to the individual players and we would be summing up the percentiles for each player, but that's much different than, than the percentile for the lineup as a whole, because it incorporates correlations and the, um, just don't tell the actual Cardi scores. That, but. <laughs> um, but and yeah, I think for so, the, what are we looking for in general? It, it's like, I am going to beat the dead horse where it's just thinking about why should I care about those things? It's like, okay, if you, if you don't know, for tonight, use SaberScore, watch some of our other videos and we go into more detail. But generally saying, the higher I set the percentile, the more I am ignoring outcomes other than what's like, not even the more, like you are then saying, I am ignoring outcomes that don't fall within this. And so the higher you set that, the more outcomes you are ignoring, which, generally speaking means you're going to increase your variance significantly but it's worth it if the pale structure makes it so and that's like there's no in this contest do that but like the more top heavy it is theoretically the higher you would want to set the percentile um but that is actually something i do want to do some back testing on to see are there scenarios where this performs objectively better consistently enough than saber score are there other things we can do but it's yeah. more just thinking I, about the, the process there yeah and just one on a really quick practical level i think andrew and jordan have maybe mentioned this but 99th percentile for a lineup is much much different than 99th percentile for for players um because yeah. like when you're entering gpps you are trying to get into the top one percent or higher so it's actually a lot more valid if you were using player percentiles and you're like oh i want to do 85th because like 99th is just impractical. Um, I would be more, much more willing to use 99th 
for lineups because uh, you don't have to get 99th percentile for each player in order to, for your lineup to hit its 99th percentile. So, I mean, you, what um, he is saying is this lineup will score this 1%, 1 of, the of the time. Whereas yeah. with the players, it's saying this player will score at 1% of the time. This player will score that 1% of the time. So really, you have to, to multiply it power. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. right. So it's it's deceiving the way that works, but individual players, like it doesn't, is not useful in that sense. Yeah. Um, and and really quickly, I, I, you know, yep. lineup percentiles just makes so much more sense because it's so unlikely that every single player in the pool is going to have that, you know, 95th percentile outcome. Usually mm -hmm. it's a mix and match. Some guys get closer to like 75th. Some guys have 99th. Some guys have like 95th. If you like look at winning, actual winning lineups, it's going to be more of a range. And I think this takes that into account much better rather than just giving every single player in the pool their 95th and building lineups based on that. Yeah. yeah. And like this is, I'm going to blame this on just the, the baby causing lack of sleep and my crankiness. Uh, but like, I think that's the right direction, but it's just saying objectively ownership actually like also, this is opening up a whole new can of worms that we're going to ignore for now, but like ownership suffers from the same problem because you individual players you're not entering individual players into a contest. An individual player cannot win you a contest. You are putting in collections of players. You're putting in lineups. And so it's not even just that like the 99th percentile for players combined is way less likely. It's that it's not measuring the right thing because you mm -hmm. don't care about those individual outcomes. You care about how does this lineup perform on the whole. Um, a nuanced part of that is that yeah. like, it's just going to be the scale is different, but it's going back to what I'm saying is why are we trying, what are we trying to do here? Is this the best way of doing it? And it's just like anything on the individual player level is wrong. It's not saying it's, there's a, there's not always going to be a better option, um, but it's conceptually not thinking about it right because that's not what actually goes into the contest. And for ownership, it's kind of up in the air. What, a better approach is, is to think about like the entire um, lineups ownership and, and all of that other stuff. And like, that's one where Saversword does try to like kind of account for that. Um, but I could see saying like, yeah, like this one's really hard and I don't know a better option. It's like using mm -hmm. ownership there, even as for individual players, like that might be your best tool if you're trying to do that. Um, so it's like a lot of times, the way I view these now is I'm going to come in and, and Matt too is like, we're thinking about it from more of the theoretical side. Um, and I do think that's important because at the end of the day, whether you focus on the theory or not, like assuming what we were saying are like these fundamental truths, they're there, whether you're, you're paying attention or not. And so the farther away you are from that, the more likely you're going to end up in the wrong spot or just miss really what's going on. But this is not like very practical advice. This is not something that expect to really change anyone's process tonight, maybe other than like doing a bit less tinkering for now. Um, and that's where I think it's Andrew, you especially, and then, and then Jordan as well is, is figuring out what is the more practical applications of this? And then how could we be thinking? Like, what are some of those next steps? And it keeps talking about this and that, but like, okay, like now what? Um, and I think that's where you guys come in and just keep it grounded 
is just a challenge that we are going to constantly be working on is how do we give more practical advice without implying that just do this every time. Um, and so with that, I'm not going to answer more questions because it's just a recipe for me to, um, at least for the second, because it's a recipe for me to just like keep going on and on. So I will talk about the other So what it sounds features. like to me, yeah. Andy, is that this is just the initial release of Saberson Pro and we are going to continue building and adding more features. Yeah, we'll definitely be adding more to it. Um, and I think this is where they're especially now as our product has evolved so much and we want to keep evolving it, there are going to be more features, but it's where the content becomes so much more important because of like these discussions that we're having, like I can come in with like my seeming like off the wall ideas and acting on that is a very different thing, but we think it's important. So I think there's more features coming, but what I'm as excited for is the work that the you especially are going to be doing on making it more approachable um, and getting more of these ideas into the content, but to at least make sure we check the boxes of the other uh, features in this initial uh, version of Saberson Pro. Uh, it's aggregating projection sources, which is something that a lot of players do, sort of wisdom of the crowds approach. Um, we think there is some value there or can be. And so rather than having you do this on your own in Excel, we're going to bring in that functionality. And big picture, this is something Matt really sharpened, is all these features are not things that we say you must use this to be a winning player. Like that is objectively not true. Um, and to Shady's question from earlier of like what minus EV mistakes are people going to make? It's just, don't force this. If, if And these are concepts that you can get right. And by right, I mean, not like you find the secret recipe. It's like you find something that adds value, but that's not easy to do. It requires a lot of work. And it's saying like, okay, you've got these fundamentals down. You're trying to level up your game. That's when I think you can experiment in this area, but it's having the understanding that when you're doing this, it needs to be thought of as an experiment and you're looking for ways to add value to what already exists. But these are things that we put on this plan because we know people are doing things that add value here. Um, and rather than forcing them to do a bunch of work in Excel, whether it's with aggregating projections or creating their own ranking factors or whatever else, we want to simplify it for them, bring that into the app and just really streamline that process. Um, but it's just taking a step back and saying, if you want to be one of the big winners, if you want to keep moving up in stakes, yeah, you'll, you'll probably need to have more of an opinion on some of these areas. Um, but I would not at all mess with this until you have the fundamentals really down. Um, and, and think about it from that perspective. Um, but yeah, so it's along with aggregating, it's importing your own custom data. This could be um, variables like formulas and things that you're you're creating on your own, whatever it may be in Excel, because like we're not going to recreate a spreadsheet. Um, there are still like we're not going to try to predict all the things you could do, but 
once you've got it, we're going to make sure you can work with it. And so creating your own metrics for, I guess, Matt, what would be like, these are not things you need to do. And I want to like always have yeah. this disclaimer, but what are the things we know some people are doing successfully? Yeah. I think one really simple practical thing is uh, that I've heard people ask for is if you want to adjust minutes projections in MBA, um, you can upload, for example, upload your own minute projections. It won't change the projections, but if you want to set rules based on that, so say like you want to upload your own minutes projections and then say like, I only want players that are over X minutes or something like that. Like that would be kind of a simple practical thing. Um, a more complex thing is if you're creating a formula that basically if you uh, either maybe don't trust or just like want to add to kind of our ranges of outcomes, if you have your own like upside metric that you have created for players again yeah i i personally wouldn't recommend this but if you a lot of people like have done a lot of work on this stuff and like have their own spreadsheets and have their own models even or even their own simulations who knows like you can kind of upload your own ceiling projections or your own um you know probability of being in the optimal lineup projections um anything like that and then upload that and either set rules ahead of the build or um, after you run your build, rank your lineups based on these metrics. So you might say, give everyone a percentage of being, you know, in the optimal lineup. And then in step three, you rank by the uh, geometric mean of those percentages, something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't do, I haven't really used custom data myself yet, um, other than just like messing around with it and testing Making it. Making sure it works. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely, I know a lot of people use custom data um, in their own processes or in other optimizers or whatever. And I think um, you can and it ties in well that. to like the, the lineup ranking metrics where exactly yeah you can have different variables that you think aren't present or you just can't work with otherwise. And so you make sure those are there as custom data. And the reason for a lot of that may be so that you could create effectively your own Sabre score. You're saying, I think the balance of these variables should be a bit different or just saying like, I think we should be looking at different variables, whatever it is. Like you're giving your own take on that. Um, mm -hmm. And it could be something like trying to better account for ownership and the balance between points versus ownership and all those other things are things that people are doing there. Um, but actually like to just drive this point home. And so Dan King said, I really need to be sold on why I need the pro plan. Like, I'm not going to sell you on the pro plan. Like, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make is we are not saying you need to use these. Like, if if I'm almost saying like, well, no, I'm not almost saying I will right now. Like, if you cannot justify by when we explain these features to you right now, you're not immediately like, okay, like I, I can see exactly how I'd use that and why that's valuable. Let sign me up right now. Don't sign up for it. Like that, that's that's fine. Like I'm not, I, this is not for everybody. And what our job is and what we haven't really even started with yet, even other than this stream right now is we want our content to help you build your process so that at some point you could be ready to explore these other paths. But we're not saying you have to. And it's like, there are theoretical ways of increasing your edge through these features, but like at almost any contest, probably any contest you can win at 
literally like any steaks without these. This is just more like squeezing every ounce of edge out of the process. But with that, it comes with a lot of risk because like you can fuck things up or at the very least, like it's going to take you more time and you might just be adding noise to the process. So it's really like a use at your own risk kind of a thing. And, and mm -hmm. it's like, I am now giving the warning, like, Hey, if, if you don't know how to swim, like don't jump in there, we can give you swimming lessons and like help you get there, but I'm not going to push you in. I don't, I, I don't think this is something that we're not trying to sell it to everybody. Yeah. And just in terms of the features that are part of Sabersim Pro, um, I think like the one part of it that is lower risk in terms of, like Andy said, fucking it up is the 5,000 lineups. I think that's the one thing where- And Minuniques I'm not saying, with that. Like, and yeah. Minuniques with that. Um, again, you don't need to build 5,000 lineups to be a winning player. Um, but I think that especially, Andrew had a good point um, when we were talking about this uh, a little bit before we started is like on FanDuel, they have a lot of these micro stakes contests where you could enter 600 unique lineups across all of these contests that are like $5 and below. Um, for like an NFL main slate or even a showdown slate. And, you know, the higher number of unique line, unique lineups you have, kind of the more of the bigger pool you want to work with. And so having 5,000 lineups to pull from um, while still being diversified can be uh, just give you maybe higher quality, um, better diversified lineups than if you had 1,500. Um, but again, Which, not it means that you can theoretically get but... better results from your same your current bankroll. Yeah. And with um... more flexibility, too. Right. Um, of like, and yeah. I think, yeah, that that's that is the one that we could sell more. Um, and in the sense that, like, objectively, the other ones are a little dangerous, but like when used right, can add a lot of value. This one, though, is just, like the building 5000 lineups and then setting mini uniques as high as you can um, while getting a unique lineup for every entry you have. In my opinion, like that alone more than justifies the upgrade um but i won't sell you on the other features and even then like we should be doing more to to create more digestible types of content like this um to illustrate that point i think that's why we started with the discussion on 5000 lines because that's like the just straightforward example um and looking at this so there's two quick ones i'll touch on is Love to be able to take lineups from different builds and put them in the same contest from Robbie and then stay odd. Basically, echoing that. Um, that's something that is not going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we've been spending a lot of time trying to um, streamline the building process. And part of that is going to be a way to take lineups from different types of builds and put those into a single contest. Um, this will be a bigger change. I think for, for anyone using it, our intention is that like it should be way easier to understand than it is right now. Even for people who have used it for a while, there's some stuff in Saberson where it's like, ah, like I know what I'm supposed to do here, but I don't get why it has to work this way. Like you figured out what to do, but it's just like always kind of pisses you off, or at least maybe that's just me. Um, but 
what we're trying to do is find a way to just really streamline that and make it more intuitive. And part of that is going to be this, this stuff around the Linus, but it's going to be, it's like a pretty big planning process to just really think it through, but also it'll be a good amount of, of code there. And Matt, did you want to jump in on that or? No, um, there's another question that I saw that I just wanted to really quickly yeah. answer. Um, the one from Old Man Gamer about uh, when you change uniques, it only changes the last seven of the 20 lineups. Uh, so basically what that means is that the first 13 already satisfied that min unique right. setting. And so, um, you know, basically the more lineups you have, like the harder it is going to be to find lineups that have enough min uniques as you get you know, as you build. So it's like the more lineups lineup, you're like entering into the more lineups you're, you're entering. Yeah. So it's basically like those first 13 already had, you know, if you set it to three, then they already had three players different between each of those lineups. And then once you got to that 14th, uh, we, you know, you had to skip that 14th because it didn't have three uniques from one of those first 13 and so on. And so that's and why we're always going to trim from the bottom. Exactly. Very often when you change those min uniques, you're not going to notice a change in those top you know, however many until you get to really high numbers, but it'll be changing those bottom numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things I thought I saw it in here, um, but I definitely have heard the sentiment and I get it. It's the, the question about like the cost increase uh, to build 5,000 lineups. Like why even 5,000 lineups? Um, and two things. One, we... I, well, we've actually like never, no partner has ever taken a distribution from the company. So it's, we are profitable, but like we reinvest our profits. But regardless of that, we are a business. And so like, we're not going to be running on a cost plus model of saying our cost of this, we're going to charge this model, uh, th this markup. But so with that said, like, I think there's enough value where even if it doesn't cost us anything extra, we should charge for that. Um, but like practically speaking, there is a, a real cost to building lineups and every other optimizer, or as far as I know, uses your computer to build the lineups. It is your browser, it is your processor, your RAM, everything else. And that's why you can get very different experiences if you're using your phone versus a computer or versus one computer on another. Um, it's not a consistent experience. So on that reason alone, that was a big motivation for us to do the uh, crunching for you. And with that, um, the other part is we are not just dealing with a single data point or like a simple to process sheet of all the of a mean projection and like whatever else you might upload there. We are dealing with thousands of sims, which have thousands of other data points in that. And that is feasibly it's like hundreds of megabytes I would assume and like we would have to send that to your browser which is just like not doesn't make any sense it would be super slow and then just like crash the browser and so that is the practical side but the other side is I think just from usability it makes sense for us to do that for you and as you build more lineups it costs us more money and I think we spent like not purely on I guess probably on building lineups last month, we probably spent like $30,000. Um, there's probably some efficiencies we could could get. Well, not probably, like there absolutely are. Um, but we have been focused on giving people more power. 
and more speed. Um, and then we'll figure out the cost savings later. But like, that's kind of the, the, the side of it is one, even if I didn't just give that whole justification from like why it actually does cost us money, I think it's worth it. Um, but two, like there are very real costs, uh, for, for this kind of stuff. I think Anything that's well we said, Andy. Cover? Andrew, I'll kick it back to you and at least pretend like I'm giving you some authority there. Uh, no, no. I think that we, you know, always great to have you guys on. A lot of people tune in for these shows and love to hear uh, a, a lot about the theoretical side of what goes into these tools. I think it's very insightful. And I think that we covered all of the new features. I think the 5,000 lineups is an awesome tool, you know, almost three times as many as the previous plan. And if anybody is, you know, listening and hasn't started their pro plan trial, they can go into SaberSim. If they already have an account, they can do a pro plan trial, uh, which is they will not be charged for is set to expire after seven days. Yeah. And then they can determine if they want to indeed uh, continue with the pro plan. Update. Yeah. Now it's something we set up because it's like, we don't want to like, Oh, you start like when you, if you don't have an account, if you start a trial, uh, when you cancel it, it's over. Um, and if you don't cancel it, like you could charge because your account is still active and you're able to use it. When you have an active account, we don't want you, if you forget to cancel it or whatever else, to either charge you more money or just like cancel your entire subscription and then you log in and you're like, fuck, like I need to build lineups tonight. And so we have it set up. So if you start that trial uh, within your account um, and you already are on a paid plan, then it will uh, automatically cancel at the end of seven days. And if you want to add it back, you just go back into the account management and click upgrade. Uh, but yeah, it's again, one of those things where I think it's worth experimenting with, especially with the min uniques and the higher number of lineups, but don't complicate things. Um, don't feel like you should be using all of this stuff. Um, it's, almost in a way like more aspirational. And our goal is to create content to help you get there where you could be adding value with this. But it's also saying, hey, like, don't worry. Like, like I know there's a lot of things you could be doing. You'll get there and we're, we're going to help get you there. But like right now, like keep it simple and focus on the fundamentals and get those down. Um, and on that, we can, can wrap here. I feel like as soon as we hit stop, Andrew is just going to start cursing himself and just saying, I'm never inviting Andy back on this, or at least not for a while until he forces his way in. But uh, appreciate you putting up with me, Andrew. Very, very uh, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, and so last but not least, to do these as frequently as you want, Andrew. Oh, yeah, all the time. Kinda. I'm sure the yeah. crowd will uh, we'll do a little poll in the Discord. But that being said, go ahead, go start your SaberSim Pro trial. Get in, see what the new features are about. Check out the 5,000 lineups. Good luck in your contest. We'll be back tomorrow for our regularly scheduled office hours, and we will see you all then. And if you don't want to start it right now, you don't need to either. That's cool, too. <laughs> From the man himself. We'll see you guys. <laughs>